Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. We'll get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep. Of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown! Carolina wins! Carolina is the Coastal Division champion! Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio! He's at the 50! No, he's not! Yes, he is! Gio! He's gonna take it! for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, here with you guys, as always. And today, riding solo again on this edition of the podcast. It's not going to be a long edition of the podcast, and uh, that may be in tribute to the history of the ACC, which may not be putting many more chapters into their books uh, as we move forward throughout the next few years. And uh, that is due to the reports that came out of the ACC League meetings. They hosted them yet again this year down in Amelia Island, Florida last week. Um, and it started, you know, on Monday, reports started streaming out. Brett McMurphy, who covers college football for the Action Network. Now, of course, guy was with ESPN for a long time. He was the first to report uh, that there were, you know, seven schools the listed as the Magnificent Seven, as they eventually became called throughout the week, uh, that were looking into, uh, you know, a way to get out of the grant of rights, which is something that's in place for the ACC. It tied in with the television deal uh, that, that w- was signed years back and extends all the way through 2036. And we've heard this before. We've heard this this offseason. Florida State, uh, Clemson, uh, there were school, they were schools that uh, reportedly were looking into that um, and also looking into unequal revenue sharing, which is basically where schools that perform better, schools that bring in more money, would be the schools that would receive more revenue as opposed to some of the smaller schools in the conference. So, of course, them, Florida State, Clemson, uh, schools that are really successful in football, and Carolina is also included in that, especially with the success that Carolina has had 
on the basketball side of things, as well as, you know, all other sports on campus, um, really, you know, outside of the football program. And look, football program, uh, not too bad either, not nearly as bad as some of the other programs uh, that are in the conference. And so I, I think that was, you know, part of the reason why there have been some reports that, um, you know, people, the, the schools that have been heading this up, a lot of people think it was Florida State. Remember, they were the first uh, school uh, that came out um, earlier this offseason and was the first one really linked to looking for that unequal revenue share. Um, but there have been some reports here recently that it is Carolina that has really been pushing the envelope on this and that they were really one of the first ones to look into the grant of rights to see if there is, is a way out. And uh, it, it's, you know, something that at this point I think seems more inevitable than anything. Now, is it going to be, you know, sometime soon? Is it going to be 2036? We have no idea. At this point, it's really, you know, just this is something that's a little bit different than you're seeing with some of the other schools that have made moves before. This is not Texas and Oklahoma. This is not UCLA, USC, where they they really could do whatever they want. They didn't have something that was holding them in place. A lot of those, you know, schools and a lot of those conferences, they did not have long television deals like the ACC. That's why with the ACC, it really is so different. And, you know, it's a good thing in terms of for people that really want the conference to stay together because it could be what holds this conference together for the time being. Um, it could hold all of these teams there. But it's also a bad thing because it means that unless the ACC adds another school – and look, if you're going to add another school, you're probably going to have to add multiple, especially on the football side of things, because it does not look like you are ever really going to be able to get Notre Dame to join you. I, I don't see that happening. Um, I think if Notre Dame is going to join a conference, it's becoming very, very evident that it will be the Big Ten, uh, especially with the revenue share that those schools will be getting out there when they renegotiate their television deal. So for the ACC, you would have to add other schools outside of Notre Dame to the conference. And unless you're going to try to do some sort of combination with the Pac-12, if that falls apart, which looks very possible, um, you're probably then going to have to drop down and bring in some schools that uh, you know are lesser. And at this point, I mean, there are conferences that can continue to renegotiate their deals, some non-Power 5 conferences that could, I'm not going to say get close to what the ACC is at, um, but they could be in the neighborhood uh, sooner rather than later. So these are the challenges that the ACC is facing right now. The ACC league meetings have now wrapped up. They put a bow on it and things will settle back down just a little bit. But before they do, we had to turn to a guy that has been covering the ACC for nearly 40 years in David Teal. Uh, he does a tremendous job, writes for the Richmond Times Dispatch. Um, and he he has been one of those guys. He's actually he actually just took home uh, another award. He is the uh, Virginia Sports Writer of the Year for the 14th time. That is a new record uh, that is now held by him. He does a tremendous job uh, covering everything ACC. And he was down there and we had to ask him first, 
what went down, how things started on on Monday, uh, and was there a, a disagreement uh, that could be verbally heard uh, as as we we've seen some reports come out? Well, Anthony, we didn't hear anything because they were behind closed doors, <laughs> but I. I assure you there were some raised voices and considerable uh, consternation among the athletic directors in the room. Uh, remarkably, um, in, in this era of social media, I think the root of it was a tweet from Brett McMurphy, a longtime college football insider, who tweeted oh, I guess mid-afternoon, early afternoon Monday that North Carolina, NC State, Clemson, Miami, Florida State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, seven schools that he dubbed the Magnificent Seven had um, been meeting uh, together and in subgroups to uh, look at the ACC's grant of rights to see if it is airtight and that they were uh, you know, exploring options. And that was a broadside to a lot of people in the room and hence the um, raised voices. So there's been, you know, some conflicting reports as to who is kind of leading the charge here amongst these seven schools. Um, you mentioned it, that it seems like those seven are the ones that are um, really grouping up in this push. But I've seen some that said it was Florida State. Because, um, you know, there were some reports that, you know, a, a couple of months ago, they were the ones that were pushing the unequal revenue. I've seen some, you know, here in the last, uh, you know, couple of weeks that say it's North Carolina that's pushing uh, everything. Do you, do you hear stuff like that? And, and who do you think ultimately is, is the first one behind this? Well, Florida State has certainly been the most public about it. I think it's been more of a concerted effort. And there are even some other schools who uh, are on board with an unequal revenue sharing model. And in fact, Anthony, I wouldn't be surprised if this gets presidential approval. It, it must, be, um, must be approved by 10 of the 15 presidents. And the ADs I've spoken to, they believe their CEOs are on board with this. So it'll be fascinating to watch going forward. I think we'll have resolution one way or the other fairly quickly. Well, ultimately, you know, I think the biggest question that people have with the unequal revenue share is, does that, is that something that ultimately works? Do you think that, uh, it, that, that makes people want to stay in the conference long-term? What do you think about that? Do you really think that would satisfy these programs, or do you think that it's something that they're still going to want more if they see the other conferences making that much more money? I think appease is a better word than satisfy, Anthony. And I think that appeasement is is probably temporary, but the ACC needs to, not the conference office, but the individual schools have to come to grips, and I think most of them have that the SEC and the Big Ten, in an era when college football drives the revenue train, have inherent advantages. They are comprised of huge public institutions with large fan bases 
that are nuts about football. Conversely, the ACC is unique among the Power Five Mm -hmm. with several small private schools and smaller public schools, very few of which are sideways about college football. So in, in that regard, the ACC is never going to catch the SEC and the Big Ten in terms of television appeal, in terms of television dollars. Just not going to happen. The question is, is can they remain close enough in touch financially to, to allow them to continue to be competitive? Because let's also be clear that the ACC doesn't have to take a backseat to anyone, including the Big Ten and the SEC, when it comes to being competitive across the board, and that includes football and men's basketball. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, the interesting thing is, is that, you know, you talk about the different, you know, everybody's talking about the difference in revenue. And you actually just reported this earlier today. You wrote up an article as well uh, that you can find on uh, David's social media uh, at by David Teal. That's B-Y and then his name, David Teal, T-E-E-L. And you reported that on the 2021-22 tax return, you know, the ACC, uh, they had their best year in terms of revenue, league records in, in terms of revenue, um, a, a average distribution and TV money. It's really not as far behind the SEC and the Big Ten as you would think. Do, do you think maybe this is something that's being talked about a little bit more than it should be based on that? Or is is, is there still a legitimate gap that people should be concerned about? Well, there the gap is going to get wider, Anthony. That's the issue among um, the athletic directors because while the ACC's television deal is locked in through 2036 with ESPN, the Big Ten and the SEC starting in 24-25 with the additions that they will have, Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, they are about to start massive new TV deals mm-hmm. that are going to widen that revenue gap to the point where it could become a chasm. So the ACC's challenge is to figure out some creative ways to generate more revenue because it doesn't appear that absent the addition of Notre Dame as a football member, and we, we all know that's not going to happen, that the ACC has no traditional expansion options out there that would close the gap. Yeah, and I think that's that's really the big concern. And you mentioned, you know, the the TV deal, and 
Uh, one of the big things is that, look, even if these schools want to get out, they have to find a way to navigate through the grant of rights. Um, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, all revenue for home football games and everything like that would go back to the ACC if they end up moving. I mean, it's just it, it is it looks like it is pretty sealed. But the thing is, is do you think that there is a way for them to get out of it? Is it something that? you know, people should be concerned about, or is it something where these, these schools might be locked in until 2036? In the short term, Anthony, I don't see any way they get out. And let's also remember that none of these schools has a standing invitation to join another conference. Good point. I mean, the only way it makes sense for either the SEC or the Big Ten to expand is if the teams they add bring so much annual revenue mm -hmm. that they increase everyone else's share. So what you're telling me is if you think Florida State is going to the SEC, that you think that addition will be worth upwards of 70 to $80 million a year for the Southeastern Conference. I don't believe that for a minute. And I don't believe the SEC thinks that way. So I don't believe Florida State is going to the SEC. I don't think North Carolina or Virginia is going to the SEC because as valuable as those brands might be, and yes, new markets in Carolina and Virginia, not worth 70 to $80 million a year. And plus, if, if you're UVA, do you want to go bang heads in the SEC in football? I mean, you can't win in the ACC. Yeah, a few more minutes here with David Teal of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. You know, David, let's get a little more specific to Carolina. And, you know, it seems like, one, just judging off of the Magnificent Seven right here, it looks like NC State's going to be the school that would be taken with them if Carolina was to leave. And, you know, there's a the, the thing is, is that what's going to end up happening is if Carolina wants to leave, they're going to have to go through the state legislation the state legislation is going to say, look, you have to take NC State with you. That's a state school. That's the reason why it looks like those two could potentially be grouped together. Um, you know, wh wh what do you what do you make of the fact that it's NC State? Because I think a lot of people thought if this happened, then it would be Duke that would be going with them because of the basketball rivalry. But that doesn't seem to be the case. No, but I'm not sure that you read much into this group of seven because Duke, um, I would almost, I would bet considerable amount of money has done its due diligence as well and has looked at the grant of rights and has made back channel connections with certain conferences. Um, could Duke and North Carolina be separated if the whole thing blew up? Sure, Texas and Texas A&M were separated for quite a while. They're about to be reunited, but they were separated. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are about to be separated. Oklahoma and Nebraska were separated. So traditional rivalries, Anthony, have gone by the wayside thanks to conference realignment mm -hmm. countless times over the last, what, 15, 20 years. Yeah, and you know, I think that's that's something that's definitely concerning to a lot of fans. I think Absolutely. you know, I get it. 
I get it because, and, and, you know, you would know this as well because you've been covering the ACC for so long. I mean, traditions are big, especially in the SEC when it comes to football, but, you know, covering ACC basketball for so long, you know, how devastating do you feel like this would be for some of the fan bases around here, including schools like uh, North Carolina, like Duke, um, you know, schools that have that, that basketball history that you don't talk about a lot with the other uh, conferences where there has been that expansion. Oh, it would be brutal. I mean, there's a, there's no question. And you know, I I grew up on ACC basketball. But you know what, Anthony? I grew up on ACC basketball with Maryland and Lefty Drizel. And where's <laughs> Maryland right now, dude? Yep. They're in the Big Ten. I I had to get over it and get used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I I mean that's the thing. Ultimately. You know, I think that's what most people will end up doing. But, I mean, I've heard some Toriel fans that are concerned. The thing is, though, you know, if you look, I think a lot of people consider Carolina to be probably the the, the biggest brand and, and probably would bring the most value. A lot of people talking about them going to the Big Ten. Do you think that makes sense as a fit for Carolina if this does end up actually happening, especially with, you know, the range of sports that Carolina has? Anthony, I've been surprised by realignment so many times that I'm I'm past it now. Nothing, nothing would shock or, or surprise me. Could Carolina and Virginia end up in the Big Ten? Sure. Could could they? You know, you would think culturally that's a better fit for them mm-hmm. than the SEC. But you know, the SEC's got a transition to Texas and Oklahoma and the big 10 has to transition to USC and UCLA. I think that's going to take a while. And by the time the, the grant of rights expires in 2036, and even by the time a school might conceivably wiggle out of it, we're going to, there's going to have been changes that none of us could have imagined to the media landscape, to technology, to how people consume college sports. You know, who among us would have thought 15, 20 years ago that we'd be having, you know, streaming on on our phones and that would be a, a primary mode of consumption for so many. So this this notion that it's going to be static and we can predict what's going to happen, I think is a fool's errand. I think you have to think more short term. Yeah. And I, I think that's the best advice, especially with the grant of rights. And, and that's the thing. I think a lot of people in the ACC are hoping that because of that grant of rights, if there is going to be moves, it's at least going to take a little bit of time. Hey, David, thanks so much for stopping by with us. You are a legend man covering uh, this conference, and uh, we really appreciate you taking out the time with us, man. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Be well. All right, you too. All right, so we want to thank David Teal for stopping by with us. Really appreciate him taking out some time, guys. He is truly one of the best that you can follow for everything about uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference. Um, and yeah, he he's a guy that, you know, we, of course, as you heard him say there towards the end, he clearly has an invested interest in, in keeping this conference around because of that, how much time he has spent covering it. Um, but I, I think, you know, even there, you heard it, 
Um, it, it's something that it, it, there is so much uncertainty at this point. Everybody, it, it, it seems like around the conference, um, is is nervous about the future of it moving forward. And it really is amazing. You're talking about a conference that is currently in the process of moving its headquarters from Greensboro to Charlotte. They will build a brand new um, you know, building in downtown Charlotte is what we've heard. Uh, that will be the headquarters. And it's something where they could build it. It's probably still going to take a couple, maybe a few years. And by the time they get in there, there may be members of the ACC that have found ways to get out of the conference. And the conference could be, you know, on the verge of completely falling apart. Uh, and, and you know, he, he said it there. And I've heard so many people around college sports say this recently. And it's true. At this point, Anything is possible with conference realignment. When you see USC and UCLA moved into the Big Ten, I think that was the one. Texas and Oklahoma was, okay, that made a little bit of sense. We had seen other teams, you know, Texas A&M had moved there from the Big 12. Missouri, we'd seen other teams make that move from the Big 12 to the SEC. You know, in terms of the region, it's not really all that shocking. That's inside the SEC footprint. USC, UCLA, you're talking about the Big Ten being a conference that's in the Midwest and it extended to the East Coast, but no one ever thought that it would extend out West. And now I think that sort of shows that both of those conferences, now the SEC, I don't know how interested the SEC really is in expanding. Greg McElroy, who does a great job covering college football, um, he has a podcast called the Always College Football Podcast that he does for ESPN. He said that from what he's heard, he doesn't think that the SEC is really interested in expanding, but it seems like the Big Ten is. And eventually, if the Big Ten is going to continue to expand, um, you know, and they're going to have this many teams in there and become what we, you know, heard a term be thrown around here the last few years as a super conference. Um, then the SEC eventually will probably have to catch up a little bit, maybe not to the same level, but you would imagine that they will try to keep pace because it could ultimately be what brings them more money if they can eventually eliminate some of these other conferences. So it's certainly worth watching. And look, Carolina and the Big Ten, we've, we've heard that multiple times from a lot of people, that that would be a great fit academic-wise, um, you know, just – athletics wise because the big 10 plays a lot more sports than the sec does um that that probably is the best fit for carolina and as david said there you know look it looks like nc state would probably try to be going along with carolina but they may just be trying to get out of the acc and head elsewhere uh where it looks like virginia would probably be the team that would be close that that would follow carolina to the Big Ten. That's the one I've heard the most about uh, if that move was to be made. But for the time being, the ACC is still in place. Carolina, as of right now, is not going anywhere, but it's definitely something to keep in the back of your mind. And one thing that I've thought, and I've heard some people that have brought this up before, this is not somebody, these are not people saying this could actually happen. It's really just the people that are throwing ideas out there one thing that I think college athletics has to look at if this does end up happening is having sport-specific conferences. 
Um, we, we, you know, we've seen it in college basketball. You've got the Big East Conference, which does not exist in other sports. Um, now, the majority of those teams in that conference, they do not play college football. UConn does, though. UConn um, in college football isn't independent. And then they, of course, go into the Big East to play um, you know, to, to play basketball. And we've seen it other sports, uh, you know, hockey. I know they have their own divisions and everything like that. That may be what you have to do. And I would love it if, look, if the ACC sort of dissolves a little bit in football or if it's a smaller conference and Carolina competes in the Big Ten in football, whatever, I would like to see maybe they look into sports-specific conferences, which would allow Carolina – to remain in the ACC uh, when it comes to college basketball. Um, and, you know, it, it would keep some of those traditional rivalries alive. I really think that should be something that should be talked about more than it actually is. But regardless of what happens uh, on the realignment front, we will have you covered with that. That's one of those things, again, I, I don't see anything imminent at this point. Um, I think it's more of a long play because of the grant of rights, but uh, still, you never really know. We thought it would take a lot longer for USC and UCLA to leave the Pac-12 when those rumors started coming out and you saw how quickly that developed. Things can really develop that quickly, so we'll have you cover both me and Josh on that front on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Also, if you head over there right now, uh, Carolina, big month coming up for them on the football recruiting trail Month of June is going to be packed with official visitors. It's the Tar Heels look to add some heavy hitters to the top of the class. They have 13 commitments, but only two of those guys are inside of the top 500, which is what we classify as the blue chippers here on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Me and Zach Hubbard have been talking uh, about it here uh, throughout the offseason. That Carolina, you know, yeah, they 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 found some guys that are developmental prospects, guys that have a lot of upside. Well, now it's time to add a little bit of that talent. So they'll look to do that. We have an article up there that tells you about every player as of right now, every prospect as of right now, I should say, that is scheduled to visit campus during the month. We break down where Carolina stands with them heading in. So make sure you check that out. That will also be a running list uh, that we will put out there again if guys add their name. There should be a few more guys, of course, that will add their name before the month starts. So we'll have you covered on the recruiting front uh, with all of that stuff throughout that month of June. On the basketball side of things, Relatively quiet right now. It looks like Elliot Cadu, uh, who was the guy that a lot of people were speculating uh, was going to reclass. Things have quieted down just a little bit on that front. And he it looks like right now he's focused on going through that AAU circuit. You see him. Ian Jackson's been out there. Simeon Wilcher's been out there. Uh, so a, a lot of guys on that AAU circuit right now uh, you know, going through these summer programs that are trying to get better before they eventually head to Chapel Hill, um, but still waiting on whether or not that will actually happen for Elliot Cadu. Ian Jackson, Carolina, of course, still being uh, linked to Jarrett Stevenson as well. Uh, haven't heard a lot on his front, but whenever we get some news on that front, Josh will have you covered on the website, Heel Tough Blog. 
Com. So that wraps it up once again for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank David Teal for stopping by with us. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.